This podcast is sponsored by Plume. Deployed in more than 20 million homes globally, Plume helps service providers increase ARPU and reduce OPEX by reforming the bundle around next-generation smart home Wi-Fi experiences that subscribers love. Learn more at Plume.com. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Jeff Baumgartner, yet another editor at Light Reading. And I'm Jason Cohn. Pleasure to join you, CEO, co-founder of MyBundle.tv. Mr. Cohen, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast today with this gaggle of light reading editors. <laughs> really, really excited to be here. We're all excited about the topic of, uh, you know, how our TV viewing universe has changed so radically over the last couple of years. I guess a good starting place is to find out what your company does in that space. If you could give us an update on on who my bundle is and 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 what it does and then we can all pile in with questions and we'll just sort of uh, talk over one another if we have to but I think I'll defer to Jeff for the for the first question after you give us a bit of an intro so mybundle.tv we got a couple of couple of angles going on we're helping consumers on our own branded site um, cut the cord right find the live tv streaming service that's right for them explore the broader streaming marketplace you got over 150 streaming services that we aggregate information on Find out where to watch TV shows and movies, create po- profiles, watch lists, what should I watch next, whole bunch of features. And then what we did was we took these tools and we realized that who can we help even more than the consumer one by one is broadband providers and cable companies, right? And so the idea is we are able to co-brand our tools for broadband providers, help them win new internet customers, as well as delight, satisfy, retain, upsell their current broadband customers. Because we know, right, the margin, the future, right, for these cable companies slash broadband providers is internet. And so we're excited as we expand the reach and, and, and add broadband partners, we connect them to the streaming services. And this is the last bit, right, who are also, they're looking for new customers and they're looking to work with new broadband providers and partners and such. And so we see ourselves as the technology company bringing all three of our stakeholders together. Up front, we're talking about cord cutting, right, Jason? So before we kind of drill into some specific things, I thought maybe we could start big picture a little bit, you know, in terms of what's kind of shaking in in pay TV. You know, we, we of course, have seen where we've been keeping tabs on the numbers and, you know, for the traditional pay TV guys and inching up here and there for the uh, the virtual MVPDs. So there's kind of a confluence of factors that's driving this. But, um, I mean, what, what is kind of your sense right now on the primary reason for cord cutting? I mean, is it just really pricing and packaging? Is that the big driver? You know, what else do you see? When you think about industries, it's one of the biggest kind of principal agent problems a little bit, right? The media companies raise prices to these middlemen distributors who are set one step away from the consumer. They're in the traditional sense has been the one size fits all and then they're one size fits all plus and so on and so forth. And consumers don't need 200 channels. They don't need 300 channels. And, and right now there's more and more content available outside the bundle. And so we, we very much believe we're, we're in the middle where this is just getting started, but in the middle of this feedback loop and where this flywheel is going as more content is available outside the bundle, more people cut the cord, which means there are more eyeballs outside the bundle, more content, so on and so forth. But I think one of the big misnomers is everybody's cut the cord, right? There's still about 70 million households, right, who have traditional TV. And, and that's that's too many in our opinion, right? And so the way we see it is 
uh, a big chunk of those don't know that there's YouTube TV, Hulu Live, Sling, Fubo, Philo, Vidgo, Locast, Friendly, etc. And so we believe that, you know, with a helping hand, right, there's a lot of people who can make that transition to streaming who still want the traditional live TV content. Ultimately, bundling that with many of these SVOD and AVOD services that are out there in the market today, and, and you know, again, frankly, more to come. We think we're in the early innings. I mean, one of the reasons I started on MyBundle.tv was the traditional TV bundle with a set-top box, I think, is, is dead, right? I, and I think you're going to get to a point where it, it just breaks, right? It doesn't really make sense. And, you know, getting to the end of it, ultimately, it's do you have content that people want to watch? If you do, you have a business. If your business and the media side was dependent on having people pay for something they weren't watching, as we shift to this more segmented, truly a la carte world, there's new businesses will be created and some old businesses are going to have to figure it out. Yeah. And you said, hey, hey, we're definitely in the early innings here, right? Yeah. I was just curious, you know, anecdotally, I mean, what are some of the early takeaways, you know, and results you've seen from either the uh, the streaming marketplace and subscription management platform in use by the service provider partners or even the uh, tool that you're providing for other consumers. Again, because it's early, but you know, any any conclusions you can draw yet? One of the most interesting stats is some of our broadband partners have their own video products today. We call them forward thinking because they're doing business with us, right? Um, we, we think that when they put their current TV packages into the algorithm, and so what their attitude is, look, we don't care if they take our video or not. We want to sell them broadband. We want to sell them higher speed broadband if we can. And so what we're able to do is look at that data. And so what we find is is right now anywhere from 35 to 40% of the partner's traffic who have their own video packages is the recommendation is their own video package, which sort of goes to tell you, you know, there's in some extrapolation in my next statement, I kind of look at that 70 million, you know, video traditional TV and say 35 million of them should be on a VMVPD today. If only they had either the broadband access and the knowledge. And we know a lot of those 70 million have broadband access. And so we think there's just that information gap in the market to say, like, what are these things? What channels do they have? So on and so forth. So that's where I get that that first number when I think about data. And of course, we see, you know, things you'd imagine, right? The big broadcast networks, about 75, 80% of the time, people are selecting those, right? When they pick their channels, right? That's when you, when people use our tools, they actually tell us what channels they want. Our algorithm, we don't guess and say, oh, you like sports? Try this. Oh, you like comedy? Try this. We're literally matching what the customer says they need to the service that has what they want. And so big broadcasts, what you'd assume, ESPN, you know, up there. What was surprising, honestly, again, maybe there's a little, you know, New York bias in the beginning, but the History Channel and A&E is, you know, History Channel, 50% of people wanted the History Channel, right? We thought that was really interesting. Um, and so as we see the different channels that are picked and then the streaming services that are now coming on the on-demand world, is things start to start to make sense of filling certain needs and to where we ultimately believe will go is creating a synthetic bundle for each individual person on a personalized kind of basis. A note about the History Channel, just to, to give the, the folks at the History Channel a brief plug, only a mere 70% of the channel is now about World War II. <laughs> it used to be 95%. Now it's only about 70%. So uh, It's gone way down. Okay. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we still have no idea who won World War II. We're still... Uh, <laughs> You have to just tune in every night, see what, you know, see what happened. <laughs> to, to stay on the History Channel for a second, I think it's a very interesting, you know, example where so many people, 
are telling us they want the History Channel. History, A&E has an app, History Vault, right? And if you asked 100 people on the street, what is the name of the app that three people might know what it is, right? And I, I think you saw something interesting where the new Discovery Plus, right, includes content from a and &E History. And, and A&E is obviously trying to figure out what do we do? And we think everybody's trying to figure out what do we do we believe if and as we become more successful and build these partnerships with broadband partners, we have the capability to take the non-Netflixes, non-Amazons, non-Disney Pluses of the world and introduce them to a, a mass of customers who've already really self-selected and said, hey, I like this kind of content. And then that's where we play matchmaker in that sense. That's where I'm most optimistic about your service because right now it seems like there's a lot of people just kind of getting more or less the same thing they had before, pay TV plus some version of Netflix, but they're just getting it in a different modality. But where this really gets interesting is kind of like you were saying, is like when I can when I can go down the rabbit hole a bit and say, like, actually, I'm a soccer fan who likes sci-fi mysteries and put those sort of things in there and it says, oh, and did you know this channel existed or or, or what have you? I, I think that could be great for consumers, but also great for those content providers because their their whole reason for being on the on a streaming platform subscription basis is to cast as wide a net as they can for even for the content that's got a very uh, small audience comparatively. Yeah, and I think that you think it's the form factor of the device, I think also that people kind of search and like if you're if you're just searching on your TV screen, it's a it's a terrible place to browse. It's a terrible place to discover new content. My opinion, best place to watch content, right? And so when we build, we build for your phone, for your tablet, for your computer, where we also want to separate that discovery function from the sitting down and, and watching. And we'll get to it in a bit, I guess, but right, when you're sitting down to go watch something. That's not the time to spend 30 minutes filtering through Netflix and then filtering through, you know, Hulu. And then what if you could figure all that stuff out beforehand and then sit down and say, all right, I'm ready to watch this show. On the service level, look, we think, we hope we not only help the streaming services that are out there today on the second and third tier grow. I'm just using an example. Take a Meredith. They're all their magazine brands. Why aren't they making the jump? And I, you know, maybe they are, right? Thinking about, hey, can we get into the streaming? Like, what's the difference between HGTV, Food Network, whatever the brands Meredith owns, right? And it's it's traditionally these the media networks that were involved in TV, they were real estate companies, right? That owned real estate on our set-top box. And, and what we think is the streaming marketplace, like the internet has done to every other industry, right? Really opens up the opportunity for new brands, new content to go around the old system and really connect with consumers. What we think is missing is an aggregator, right? We think a, a truly independent aggregator um, like ourselves, right? And maybe like another company like us is really what it's about. And it's not so much about they've built great products, but Amazon and Roku, right? They are going to be pushing people to their own content, right? The Roku channel is Roku's future, right? Um, IMDB TV is where Amazon's going to make all their money, right? There's a lot of advertising dollars that are going to be shifting from traditional TV to streaming, right? We believe it's all moving over. That's very, we, we're right there with Roku, Anthony Wood, Roku saying it's all moving to streaming. Like we agree. And we think there's going to be many winners along the way. And it's just about, hey, how can we reduce friction and how can we help, again, consumers, streaming services and our broadband provider partners? I was curious, you know, maybe talk a little bit about how you decide kind of go, go what goes into the the machine, you know, into the algorithm and determine, you know, which services kind of make up those options, right? Because you you have to kind of try to balance 
choice with curation, you know? So how, how do you kind of find that balance and how do you determine what goes in the system to help the consumer? You know, when we started, we were doing the searching, right? And we were adding services and so on and so forth. You know, there was a point a, a bunch of months ago where we started to get streaming services coming to us, which was great. But my attitude is if if every morning there's a group of people building a business, building a streaming service, like that's that's something real. And we want to we wanna help put that in front of consumers. So we're not looking to organize the 5,000 Roku channels that are out there. You know, we don't need 12 varieties of, you know, the burning Yule log. But um, if there's if there's if there's a group of people building a product and what's missing is how do I get distribution? Well, that's what we want to do. We want to help those businesses um, find their customers. They don't need 60 million subs, right, to 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 be successful. Um, they need to find the subs that are right for them. And so that's that's how we think about people come services come to us. As we discover new services, we reach out to them. Whether we have a business relationship or not with them, we want to help consumers find the content that they'd be interested in. Yeah, one, one other thing I was wondering, you know, you talked about some numbers in terms of uh, who would kind of take a pay TV service from the, uh, you know, the ISP or the service provider that's providing the broadband. And that number is not super high, <laughs> you know. So what's kind of been the attitude of those service providers? Are they upset about that uh, or are they kind of embracing it or at least willing to kind of seed that part of the market and just and just kind of accept it but you know still try to maintain that video relationship in some shape or form I think the most interesting seat I have right here is sort of sitting between broadband providers and streaming services and sometimes getting to act as a translator right because I think that some of the streaming services or the media companies are afraid of launching streaming services for fear of uh, upsetting the cable providers wherein the cable providers or the broadband providers are saying we just want our customers to have the the, the best choice and get the video that they want because they're they're focused on broadband I don't know if we're going to be calling them cable companies two years from now three years from now I don't know when the lexicon officially changes at least our partners right are thinking about we want to provide our customers the best experience possible. And on the business side, we want to sell them as much internet. And so as the, if they can trade their extremely low margin video and sometimes, frankly, money losing, right? A lot of the smaller providers are losing money all in on video. And if they had a solution where they can help their customers be happy and also provide their customers a cheaper option, it's a it's a win 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 all around, right? It's it's a it's been a very it's been probably the best part of this experience is that we're creating those triple wins through this process. So speaking of of wins, <laughs> how does how does my bundle TV? How do you benefit from a financial standpoint? Where does your your revenue come from? So we have a couple a couple of different sources uh, with our broadband partnerships. Our broadband provider partners pay us a, a monthly fee. Uh, we like to think that's an extremely low monthly fee um, because, you know, ultimately what we're also doing is when our customers or our broadband partner customers sign up for streaming services through the tools, we receive a commission right now. Let's say it's a, you know, for the most part, a one-time commission from the streaming service that also gets shared with the broadband provider. Right. So the broadband provider partner still has that opportunity. Um, one of the things and, and um, Jeff had mentioned subscription management, we've built it. Right. And now we're plugging streaming services into our subscription management where instead of us sending customers to the streaming services to go sign up, we think we know, you know, pain point number three, as I say, for customers is I've got all these streaming services. I don't remember which credit card they're on. Was it on Prime Channels? Was it on Roku Channels? Did I sign up, you know, online? What did I do? 
And so what our focus is, is bringing that into one bill for the customer on the MyBundle bill. But very importantly, not building a Amazon Prime channels or you know the Roku tra- channel type experience for the streaming services perspective. Like this is their customer, right? We want them to go use that app and go download the Showtime app and watch Showtime on their TV. We are just trying to reduce friction to making those match. And same idea, right? So a, a recurring, let's say, a revenue share from the purchases from the streaming services. And you know the idea is keeping the service absolutely free to consumers. And it also looked like consumers can search based on their zip code or location. Does that data factor in later to better provide um, other consumers with ideas about what streaming services would be available to them? I guess what I'm getting at is the data from those customers searching, does that help kind of fine tune your service as well and and say like, well, these these folks in the Midwest are really interested in ESPN and uh, for example, so we're going to show that more. No, so we, well, twofold. One, when the user types in in their zip code, right, on the TV recommendation tool, we're not guessing, right? We're saying in your area, these are the channels that are available. On the back end, we are currently, you know, collecting that data. You know, our focus there is going to be making the experience better for consumers in our current profile feature. We have the ability when you sign up for a profile, making recommendations, right? And so the concept is if you tell, hey, these are your shows on your watch list, like people who like these shows like this, people you mentioned zip code in your area might be interested in, in these apps more than others. And we think there's a huge opportunity as we travel down this road to get more and more customized. Um, we're not selling anybody's data, right? We're not, you know, using this to go, you know, you're going to all of a sudden get magazines. Don't you dare. Like, that is <laughs> no part. Right. Yeah, I, I, I got to admit, I almost want to go the other way. I, I, I'll let a little secret out of the bag because if somebody else does it, you know, good for them and I'll be a, a user. But how many times all these subscriptions we get in the mail, right? Of all these magazines, they go right from the mail right into the garbage. Be pretty cool if you offered a service to cancel them, right? And then sort of, hey, if we collect that data to then know what streaming services you might be interested in using their targeting. We haven't enacted that one yet, but I think that that's, uh, you know, all about win-win-wins. That's what that's what we're about here. Yeah, I'd like to cancel the wine connoisseur <laughs> and like Golf Digest or something. We have no idea where those, where came, those from. came from. Yeah. Do like wine, and my husband loves golf, but neither one of us are interested in reading. Them. But if you think about it, I think there's an interesting concept there, right? Like, does your husband know about the golf apps out there, right? And maybe there's a streaming service, um, you know, in there. It's almost like an exchange program. Cancel your magazine subscriptions and go to uh, the streaming service of choice, but. Uh, you know, we're always thinking about how can we make this experience better for the consumer. Well, one one question I've, I've continued to spin around my head is uh, you're making this this sort of capability available to the service providers. Do you see this as a uh, a future where they exit the pay TV biz altogether and instead team with virtual MVPDs and all these other streaming services, or do you get the sense that most of them still want to maintain pay TV service even if a lot of so a lot of that business is going to go to these OTT guys. There's a desire to keep make sure their customers are happy. I'll put that first and foremost. And the bottom line is these streaming services can do a better job, right? If you think about a you know a YouTube TV or Hulu, they've got four million, three million customers. The margins they're okay making you know very little money on the direct packages. And so how do you compete with that? And so their approach is like again why. And we think that's very much the, the right answer. That's what we say to our partners. You want to put your own TV packages in there? We'll put them in. Do you want to sell more of them? Do you want to sell less of them? Right? We work with you. You know, What do you want to accomplish there? 
ultimately, I, I very much believe, though, like we, we said in the beginning, we're in the early innings and there are going to be more services and there are going to be more bundles that we can create. And we, the one thing we know for sure is these broadband part, they do not want to be in the business of running one simple web page, trying to keep changes of prices and channels and stuff like that. And so, you know, you know, I'll go back to the very low price um, that we charge uh, uh, our partners because it really is about kind of getting to that solution where we can help them, you know, get ready for the future. Right. And that's that's now. Right. It's now and whatever comes next. Excellent. And to wrap up, your competition seems to be, you know, it would be maybe another aggregator service. But and you've already kind of alluded to this, but your competition seems to be built into like the Apple TV app and Roku and within the boxes that people use for their streaming services to kind of, you know, pull all the apps together and subscribe to everything. Those those different companies also seem to be providing some subset of functionality to help direct people to download other things, try out new shows. Hey, this is coming. Did you know about this? What's your kind of positioning against those? Because I know you're not taking them on completely in the market, but why would consumers want to go ahead and check out my bundle TV's recommendations in addition to whatever they're getting from Roku or Apple or whoever? I think we do a couple of things for, you know, for the consumer. First of all, there's eight operating systems right now. When you throw in the TV, the Samsung, LG, Vizio, on top of, you know, a bunch of the ones you mentioned. And does everybody have the same OS, right, on all their TVs in their house? And if they buy a new TV, are they, you know, how do they choose? So we think that there's definitely, right, the idea of that independence from one device makes it easier to manage. The second thing is, is frankly, the form. I, I stand by your phone or your tablet or your computer is just a much better device to, to try to manage kind of that discovery as well. But the third thing from the streaming service perspective is our independence, right? We don't have an ad-supported platform, right? So we have no incentive to push people in one way or the other. You know, if you're a streaming service and you're dependent on Amazon or Roku for leads, you got to be there. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, that's going to get scarier and scarier. The fourth biggest one, we don't think of them as a competitor. We want to work with them. Right. And hey, how can we, as we build our technology, work with the apps and say, hey, how cool would it be if you add something to your My Bundle watch list? It shows up in your Showtime watch list device agnostic, whether you have a Fire TV or Roku or, you know, so we want to work with the apps as well and think about how we could integrate, you know, be that true independent player to just help make this ecosystem just just much easier, right, for consumers, for streaming services and for broadband providers. Fantastic. Well, hey, thanks for uh, spending the time with us today, uh, Mr. Jason Cohen from My Bundle TV, and thanks to Kelsey and Jeff for helping me come up with all the questions. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. This podcast is sponsored by Plume. Deployed in more than 20 million homes globally, Plume helps service providers increase ARPU and reduce OPEX by reforming the bundle around next-generation smart home Wi-Fi experiences that subscribers love. Learn more at plume.com.